Hi, and welcome to the Dying Desk Podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and this is episode 179. What have I been talking about for 179 episodes? I don't even remember, but apparently I have. So new year, new you as we head into 2023. Did you make a few resolutions this year? Sure seemed like everybody was on Instagram and TikTok, just on fire with the words of the year and the goal list. The favorite one of that, you know, food group that I saw was 23 for 23. Gretchen Rubin, the author of The Happiness Project, had a great podcast on that. And if you stay tuned to the last part of this show, episode 179, I am starting to do a new segment that I'm calling What I'm Listening To. And right before I give you that little begathon asking you to rate and review the show, I'll tell you what I'm listening to and sharing with my friends. And I've got a great episode that she just did that I think you're really going to get a lot out of. Hopefully this one gives you a lot too. So here's what we're talking about today. There is a lot of attention that gets placed on making great personal change right around the New Year's time. And it makes a lot of sense, right? There's something cleansing about having a calendar change. So last year, my big thing personally was focusing on focus because my focus was just shot. So singular focus. And I was introduced to that concept, and it is a concept, by my son's high school principal. And he used it in passing, just conversation. When I remember him talking about the kids getting back in school after lockdown. And after they had been on screens for 24-7, they had to really relearn how to just sit down and, and focus on things. And what I didn't realize until I was nagging my kids to turn off YouTube and Discord while they were doing their homework was how little singular focus I actually have. And I'm not alone in this. Like a lot of working parents, I thrive, or think I thrive, on multitasking, doing a bunch of things at one time. Even though all the research shows it is not working as well as we think it is. And I know that because if I have a tight work deadline in news, we obviously are working against a clock at all times. If I have a super tight deadline, I will remove myself from any of the distractions, usually that's people, and find a quiet place. Um, I'll close out my email, but I don't really do that at home. I do it at work, but I don't do it at home. And I would say that in the last couple of years, it's gotten pretty bad, <laughs> really. I've always got like 17 things going, my head feels scrambled, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, why do I feel like that? Well, it's pretty obvious. So I set that as a goal for 2022, is to, to really kind of work on that singular focus. And I am glad to say I found some seriously good singular focus in a big way in 2022, in the last 72 hours of the year, for reals. In this time to ask what singular focus is and why it's so tough, the big lesson that I learned when I was forced into singular focus, and then I'll give you three ways to actually improve your focus. And then don't forget, stick around for the end, and I'll tell you what I'm listening to that I think you should add to your podcast queue. We are doing one thing at a time today. Imagine that on this week's Dying to Ask. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask.
All right, so here's what happened. I had this incredible holiday break planned. The holidays fell on weekend days, which in news only happens every five, six years, <laughs> where it really kind of works to your advantage. And so I had this awesome break planned. I had a week off between Christmas and New Year's, had the holidays off, those days at least, with my family. So the plan was Christmas at home, go skiing in Tahoe, and then at the end of the week, go travel to Texas to go see my extended family. And then here was where I thought I was doing some great adulting, a bonus day when I got back to do things like laundry before I went back to work. I mean, how great was that on paper? Yeah, didn't happen. Instead, I had a kid who got sick with COVID right before the holidays, who then went back to school, and then after that got a virus, super fun. And then we got everybody healthy right before Christmas. We made it through Christmas Day, and then you know it's coming. We had a massive storm that made travel to Tahoe pretty much impossible, and so much snow we couldn't really ski anyways on the days we were going to go. Then kid number two started to get sick. Then he got really sick, not COVID, virus, and you know, common cold pretty much lays you out these days. And he got so sick it was can't travel sick. Then I got it. Virus, bad cold, whatever. Still not COVID for me either. So bottom line, my second son and I had to delay our trip to go see my family in Texas. So instead, I sent my husband and my older son. And I ended up staying in Sacramento while it was dumping rain with my sick kid. And so bottom line, everything on the plans, the to-do list, the holiday fun, pretty much went out the window while I was watching you guys on Instagram, living your best lives. And I basically did nothing. I did not tackle projects. I did not want to organize somebody's closet when I was supposed to be having fun on vacation. So I kind of did nothing. <laughs> I watched all of Emily in Paris in an afternoon. Uh, it was amazing, despite the lack of fun activities. And what was interesting was that taking care of a sick kid who just wanted me to basically be at his bidding for a couple of days, which meant, you know, I need water, I need this, I need that, um, was actually kind of a joy because it was the only thing I was doing. I wasn't trying to balance work. I wasn't worried about getting to bed to get a decent night's sleep to be able to do my job. I wasn't doing errands. I wasn't taking kids to activities or picking them up from school. Literally, all I was doing besides watching Emily in Paris, was taking care of a sick kid. One thing, singular focus. And it didn't feel stressful. In fact, I felt pretty rested out of it. And it really calmed my mind. So it occurred to me, ding, 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 singular focus. This is it. This is what it feels like. And this is why it's so important because it makes you not be resentful of the crummy stuff that just kind of sometimes happens. And the reality is kids are going to get sick. You're going to get sick. Stuff's going to happen. And singular focus is essential. It's essential for creativity. It's essential for productivity. It is essential for mental health, which of course is the key to being creative, productive, and happy. Multitasking versus singular focus has gotten a lot of attention over the last few years. So there was a time when multitasking was like a badge of honor. I'm busy, therefore I'm better. <laughs> That's kind of how a lot of people looked at it, right? I'm doing 17 things at once, therefore I'm smarter, I'm 
more independent, I'm more productive. But we now know that you may think you're doing a lot of things, but you're probably not doing a lot of things very well. And some things need incredible attention to be good. So there was this article recently in the New York Times, and it cited a company called Basex. And Basex does like economic research. So they run numbers for companies to figure out um, how are things working for them. And what they estimated based on some research was that interruptions are costing the U.S. economy $650 billion a year. I have no idea how they figured that out. I do not know what the formula was, but I do believe that that's probably true, right? We think we're saving more time and money by doing 17 things at once, but that's probably not the case. And I think we all know that. So here are three things that you can try to get more singular focus. None of them involve your kid getting a horrible virus and taking out the family. Good news, <laughs> okay? So the number one thing you can do, and this is obvious, is lose your distractions. So you gotta remove yourself. So back in the day, we might've unplugged the house phone and then gotten in trouble for not plugging it back in. Now, these days, what you're probably going to need to do is turn off your cell phone or set up the focus settings on your phone. Have you done those? You can actually tell the phone that you are trying to focus when you're working out, when you are supposed to be at work, when you're at school, and you can do basically hang the do not disturb sign. Or you can just turn it off. That also works. <laughs> if you don't want to have to like deal with it, just turn it off. You also, and this is one of the ones that I use when I'm at work, you need to log off for your social media and your email. Just don't even open it so that you're not getting those little pings. In fact, I would turn the pings off, period, because every time you hear that little beep, it's like Pavlov's dogs, right? And your attention goes to, oh, I got another message. And then when you look at it nine times out of 10, it's something you really didn't need to know. So if you have a very limited amount of time to get something done, shut it all off and just focus, okay? Number two, we're gonna talk about lists, to-do lists and to-don't lists. I actually do both. I'm a huge fan of to-do lists. And I know that these are controversial too, which is silly. But usually the people who do not like a to-do list are anti-to-do lists because people put dumb stuff on their lists. And that is true. I like them though, because I get a lot out of the actual art of writing it down. It reinforces it in my memory and I will actually break my list into categories each day. So I've got a work list and I've got a home list. And here's a hack. I actually end my work day by making the list for the next day. Because what that does is help me get focused early with what I need to get done at work each day. Because with the podcast, I mean, I have a lot of, um, how do I want to put this? Um, I have a lot of freedom to fill my day <laughs> to get things done. So it's kind of, I don't have somebody who tells me like, today you need to line up four guests. Today you need to make sure you get two of those interviews done. That's kind of on me to figure it out. I know that each week I need to come up with a show and I know what it takes to get that show done. So I need to be pretty organized to be able to guarantee that I have this content ready to go each week. So by having that list and checking things off, that really helps me be able to organize myself, but it also helps me communicate them with colleagues to be reasonable with my time, but also with my brain power, since what I do, obviously, in theory anyway, relies on creativity and the ability to be able to think at weird hours. 
So I use the to-do list to get focused quickly so that I can get right to that time that I have allotted to get something done. Okay, so what's a to-don't list? I made this up. I should do something with this because I think it's a great idea. The to-don't list is a list that I keep. It's like a column on my planner or in my phone with a list of like the big projects that I can't do today, but I know I really want to do. So this could be things as big as like sign up kids for summer camp or make, you know, research airline flights for summer vacation, make a photo book, things like that. It's probably not going to go on my to-do list today because I don't have two hours open to do that. But when I do find myself with downtime, that's a great place to go to my to-don't list to go figure those kinds of things out, right? So if I happen to find tons of extra time, I go do those things, but I don't put them on a daily list because then that temptation to really multitask creeps in and then nothing really gets done. Does that sound familiar? Okay, so step one, turn off the noise. (laughs) Step two, make your list. All right, number three. This is the easiest and the hardest thing that you will do, I think, as you try to get through these things. Take a breath. Actually take a few, because if you don't breathe, you'll die. Not to get too deep here, but if you need a singular focus, you can get focused by the way that you breathe. So the research on mindful breathing is indisputable. If you've been into a doctor's office in the last couple of years, I'll bet they've talked to you about that. (laughs) Meditation and mindfulness, like there's really something to it. So taking 30 seconds of deep breathing in and out before you start a project or an assignment or even a tough conversation can really center you and it will reduce your stress and anxiety. There is no way that deep breathing will not relax you. Now, is it going to fix all your problems? Probably not. But is it going to slow you down a little bit? Yes. And if you can get rid of that stress and anxiety a little bit, you might find you can actually think. You can actually focus. So take a 30-second investment in yourself and just see what happens. And this is something you can do all day long. And here's something that I have started doing on days that I know that I'm walking into chaos at home because I've been getting texts that start with, he did blank. It's brother on brother in my house. I will sit in the driveway, spend a lot of time in my driveway, in the car, turn everything off, leave the phone off, turn off the radio, turn off the podcast, all of it. And I will just sit for 30 seconds, longer if I have it, and just enjoy the silence. (laughs) And it just kind of calms me down just so that they don't see it in my face. They smell weakness as I walk in the door just to get myself singularly focused to deal with whatever you're gonna deal with. So to recap, turn down the noise. Turn off, log out, tune out, anything but the actual thing that you wanna be doing. Two, get listy. Write down exactly what you need to do. Bonus points if maybe you assign yourself a time that you want to get it done by. The work expands to fill the time you have. How many times have you heard that? It's true, right? And then number three, enjoy the sound of silence and let that time and a little bit of breathing get your mind right. Singular focus. Give it a chance.
This is usually the part of the show where I make the big ask, rate, review, send me your firstborn, that kind of thing. And I will, but first, here's what I'm sharing with you this week. I text people podcast links all the time. So I'll, I'll have a show that somehow speaks to me and I'll message it to somebody or email it or text it and just let them know, hey, I heard this and I thought of you. It's like modern version of cutting out a comic and dropping it in the mail with a post-it on it. You probably have to be like 38 years old to know what I'm talking about there. But the show that I listened to this week that really spoke to me is episode 411. That's a lot of podcasts of Happier with Gretchen Rubin. It is a huge show. Gretchen is the author of The Happiness Project. It's a book she wrote years ago, about a year that she spent trying to boost your mood and just feel happier by trying things. The book sold more than 2 million copies. The podcast she hosts with her sister, who is a TV writer, super interesting. Um, she writes on the reboot of Fantasy Island. Haven't seen that yet, but I found it interesting to find out that she's that's her job. That's pretty cool. Anyways, they did an episode called 23 and 23. So the concept was they each came up with a list of 23 things that they wanted to either do or work on in 2023. So they could be big things. They could be little things. Not really save the world kind of stuff. Like I want to write, you know, another New York Times bestseller, like something of that magnitude. It was more like little things, like I want to get outside every day and work out a little bit, or I want to floss every day. Seriously, that's the kind of stuff they were doing. And I found it fascinating to find out what two really successful women valued or thought that they could do better on. And I felt super good about myself because I'm a really good flosser. I floss every day. I do it at work. I attach it to a habit, actually. When I'm putting on my makeup at work, I floss. People walk in on me flossing all the time. I don't care. Flossing's important. Ask the Rubin sisters. So I hope you'll check out this episode that I'm, I'm talking about now, and I will link it in my show notes for this episode so you can easily find it, and I'll share it on social media too. And heads up, Gretchen Rubin, New York Times bestselling author. One of your 23 things was making podcast connections so you can get on other shows to sell your latest book. <laughs> so I will be emailing you about that, and I'll remind you when I ask you to do an interview with me. Now to my ask, and that is, as always, please share the show with your community. Leave us a rating or review for the Dying Dust podcast and you will help the show grow and get before a lot more people. Thanks for listening this week. We'll see you next time on Dying to Ask.